newest, dumbest form of baseball analysis focuses on the smallest sample sizes, such as one game. And I'm actually about to do that. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins. The Pirates were 5-1 to one losers to the Reds yesterday at PNC Park. That was in 10 innings. Dwayne Underwood Jr. hit with the loss, gave up a bunch of runs. Trevor Cahill pitched well. A couple guys had hits. David Bednar had a really nice escape with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, stranding guys at second and third on Eugenio Suarez. Um, and I'm not even going to talk about any of that. As I, as I look at the Pirates right now, I'm looking at a lineup that's missing half its guys. And while I understand that you don't go to the outside to replace those guys in this kind of situation because you don't prioritize anything really about 2021, what I don't understand is having a gaping hole at first base and really at a couple other spots and not utilizing those at-bats on certain younger players to give them a chance and to see what they've got. It's not to be nice to them. It's not charity. It's to see what they've got. I've brought up Cole Tucker as an example I've brought up Jared Oliva as an example, although he's been hurt. I've brought up Miguel Yahure as an example. And these guys are in Indianapolis while there are spots here. And I guess the one that bugs me currently is Will Craig. Now, I've not been a guy to go to bat for Will Craig on any regular basis. And I understand he was a first-round pick a long time ago. It was 2013. He was the 22nd overall pick under Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark. And he kind of came along slowly through the system. And then once he got to Indianapolis, he did show some pop. Not spectacular pop, not anything that you would freak out over. And it should Bear pointing out that his pop coincided with the ball itself being a little juiced around that time. Uh, but still, this player developed himself into a minor league gold glover at his position, and he has and continues to hit for power. Now, yesterday he went 3-for-3 with his third home run in two days. He had two home runs the night before. And this is where I get to the small sample sizes because you can throw all that stuff right out. I mean, these anybody gets hot. And in Craig's case, he actually was 3-for-25 going into yesterday. 3-for-25. We've seen a lot of 3-for-25s and 2-for-30s and stuff like that already this year. 
at PNC Park, and I'm sure we don't need to see more. But then he goes three for three yesterday. And all it does is make me wonder, basically, what's his major malfunction? Because there hasn't been a whole lot of this type of treatment from Ben Charrington and his staff toward any of the prospects or even the non-prospects that they've inherited from the previous regime. But Craig has been branded pretty much from day one. He was never factored into any first base equation that they've discussed, taken off the 40-man, and even now, when there are virtually no first basemen left in Pittsburgh, and he's in Indianapolis hitting home runs, he still doesn't come up. And I I don't just mean in the discussion standpoint. I mean he doesn't come up. He's not in Pittsburgh. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by the good people at the North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. If you've been to Mike's Beer Bar, this is a companion venture. Right next door, same kitchen, a lot of the same people. The difference is North Shore Tavern has steak on a stone, which is exactly what it sounds like, and it's the planet's only fully dedicated pirate sports bar year-round. Maybe a trace of Steelers and Penguins stuff, but it's pirates from front to back. Really nice place. If you're a local baseball fan, you'll want to check it out. North Shore Tavern on Federal Street. I guess the thing that, that gets me is that I've heard from Will Craig's teammates, from people who played with him in the minors, that they feel what he does can translate to the majors. I asked one player, this was last spring in Bradenton, back when we were still in locker rooms pre-pandemic. I asked one player, bluntly, what's his fatal flaw? What's wrong with Will Craig? What don't they see in him? And the response I got, and remember, this was not for attribution, not being recorded or anything like that. The response I got was basically, I have no idea. No idea. The guy is a total pro. Uh, Really, again, fields the position extremely well, smart, headsy, dedicated. And then when I asked, well, can he hit? I mean, are these home runs legit or... I mean, his, his offensive statistics, they don't floor you, meaning beyond the home runs. He, he's been in the range of about a 780 OPS in his two-plus years in AAA. And his batting average has been a 245 since he's gone up to AAA, which, again, neither of those is really, really exciting or what you want from a corner slot. But, you know, what if? What if he came up and caught fire? Yesterday at PNC Park, we watched Eric Gonzalez play first base. Okay, great. Egon can play anywhere you put him on the diamond. He is an elite defender everywhere. I'll bet he could catch. I'm talking about in a major league game. I'll bet you could put him behind the plate, give him the tools of ignorance, and he wouldn't embarrass himself back there. That's how natural he is with the glove. That doesn't achieve anything. Look, the elephant in the room here is that Will Craig's not on the 40-man. 
and you would have to make a roster move to have him up here. And that sounds like, ooh, except that Hunter Owen was in San Diego last week for a cup of coffee. Saw him with my own eyes. 27-year-old outfielder, no real hope. You know, this is no prospect. Craig's 26 and can't get a whiff. I, I just, I'm not suggesting that Craig is anybody's answer to anything. This is much more opposing of a question as to what happened here. Why is this guy still in the organization if they think that little of him? And they must. Not that I'd be able to get any of them, including Charrington, to say that because he is still in the organization. He's still in Indianapolis taking up a roster spot and starting for your top minor league affiliate. I'd just like to see, generally speaking, more of this kind of sub-in and sub-out than I would bringing in Ben Gamble or Kai Tom or Wilmer Defoe or any of this other stuff that we've been watching, the DFA Patrol, Todd Frazier. Uh, use the players that you have. Find out about the players that you have, for better or worse. If Will Craig comes up here and bombs, and I don't mean that in the good sense, then at least you know. Then at least you know. Do you know how many plate appearances Will Craig, a former first-round pick, has in the majors? Take a guess. Go ahead. I'll, I'll wait for you. Take a guess. It's four. He's made four plate appearances in the major leagues. I, I, don't, I don't get this. I don't get this. When we come back, just one question. for just one question and today's comes from Kevin who asks if Ben Charrington's going to move anyone especially at the trade deadline wouldn't it be a closer teams tend to overpay for them in order to solidify their pen for the stretch run plus there's always the injury factor the Pirates have the ability to find another closer in their current pen or the minors that kid that throws over a hundred comes to mind now, the kid that throws over 100 can now officially be uh, spread out to a couple since David Bednar threw that 100-mile-an-hour pitch yesterday to get Suarez. But you're referring, of course, to Ruanzi Contreras, who's starting, actually, right now in Altoona and should be bumped up to Indianapolis, oh, last week. Yes. Absolutely, they should move Richard Rodriguez. There's no doubt in my mind that they would get, I wouldn't say it would be a massive haul for him. It wouldn't be something like what you saw for Joe Musgrove or for that matter, Jamison Tyone, because he's not a starting pitcher. He's not going to be a starting pitcher. They do overvalue closers, as you point out, a lot of executives around baseball. 
but they don't overvalue them to the extent that they see them as being worth the same as starters, nor should they. The most powerful recent example of that came when Neil Huntington was actively shopping Felipe Vasquez, and this was, of course, before his being thrown into jail. But it was the same year. And remember, everybody was talking about this and that and the Dodgers. The Dodgers are after Vasquez. The Dodgers are going to get him. The Dodgers are going to get him. And it, it never happened. In hindsight, if you're Huntington, if you knew what you knew, or I'm sorry, if you knew what eventually would emerge about Vasquez, oh, my goodness. First of all, you needed to go to the authorities, so this probably isn't my best example. But you would have moved him for anything. As it was, they didn't really get what they wanted. And my understanding was is they weren't exactly floored by the offers. Now, if you'll remember what some of those talks were, they were asking the Dodgers, the Pirates were, for Gavin Lux and some of their top starting pitching prospects. And Dodgers were like, no way, get out of here. And they did the right thing. They did the right thing. Those guys are in the majors and doing what everybody had expected. And, of course, the Dodgers managed to avoid picking up a guy that would end up in jail. Again, not that anybody knew. I'm just saying. That's just how it worked out. Not everybody gets a ton of guys, but you can get, I think, two good prospects out of somebody else's system, and they might be starting pitching prospects, in which case you double your chances of getting at least one starter out of the deal, which in and of itself would make it a good trade. You'll take a starter over even the best reliever every day of the week. So, yeah, I, I do see the Pirates moving Rich Rod. And like you, I see other possibilities for closing. You know, anytime there isn't an anointed closer, there is an unsettled feeling, uh, especially on the outside, especially to people like me and you, Kevin, where we're watching and we're going, who, who could possibly do this? Who's going to do this? How are they going to do this without closing? Well, remember that we were all, and... I'm no exception saying this back at the beginning of the spring. I asked Derek Shelton, who's your closer? And he said, I have no idea. Well, he found out in a great big hurry. And he also found out that he had a bunch of other options for back-end duty. Kyle Crick came along and pitched great in the eighth innings. Bednar, I've mentioned already. Uh, There's guys who can do this. You know, and I think you're going to see the Pirates make this move this summer. And I also don't think it'll be the only move. I really don't. I appreciate the question, Kevin. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. 
That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.